Well, today we're launching this uh, four-week series called The Working Life. Uh, I'm going to be speaking the next these first two weeks, and then Bruce is going to be wrapping the series up. And we're going to try to cover um, and give perspective um, on this issue of work, because all of us um, spend a great deal of our time working. Whether you're working um, at a job, on location, or where you're, whether your work is in your house, and your, your work involves lots of housework, or maybe raising kids, or um, keeping things in order at home, and parenting, or schoolwork, yard work, there's just, the list goes on and on and on, but most of us spend a great number of hours um, on the job, and so um, I haven't done the math lately, but I know it's a bulk of our time on earth is this time devoted to work, and opinions about this subject are everywhere. If you Google it, don't Google working perspective because you'll find 405 million um, results that you got to work through, work through to get perspective on this area. But some people, there are some people who think that it, work is just a blessing. And they, they, you see these people whistling and skipping into work on Monday morning. They can't wait for the weekend to be over. And <clears throat> here's a picture of that. This is how some people feel. Some people are as happy as this guy, just skipping right in there. They're so excited, they can't wait to get to their desk and to get the task accomplished. Do you know people like this? Anybody? Is this you? It might be you. Um, others, they think that work is a curse, like this gal here. Work is just this curse. She can't stand being there. This is some of us here. We're shaking our heads. I can easily, personally, I can easily go back and forth. One minute I'm really grateful for the work that I get to do, and another minute I am not so grateful for the work I get to do, and maybe even dread at points. And you probably feel the same way about the things that you're involved in. Again, whether that's at a location working for someone or at home carrying on responsibilities there. It's, it can be this back and forth tension. We actually have a song we're going to play for you that gives you this. It expresses the tension that we feel Towards work, so let's let's roll this song, and you can get into it if you want, if, if it helps. A little head bob, shake the hair, you got it. just like you. There you are. Well, I'm grateful that my baby keeps her need for shoes on a minimum, reasonable level. I mean, she needs shoes. My baby needs shoes. But she doesn't take this to the limit, you know. And, uh, and so, 
you know, maybe your baby requires a lot more shoes than my baby does. But then I actually have children, other babies, and they need shoes because they wear through their shoes. And I got to keep on working for them, too, because my baby needs shoes. My babies need shoes. <laughs> we got to work. I mean, there's just all sorts of things. I, one of my kids was talking about, what's a bill? Because I was looking at a bill. I got a dreaded bill um, because I got my water bill. And I've been growing my lawn. It's If you didn't read about it, there's a drought right now. And my, my gardener, he threw all this manure and seed on my lawn. And he's like, you need to put water on your lawn to make it grow. So I've been watering my lawn. And I didn't get fined. So thankfully I didn't get fined. But I paid through the roof on my water bill this month to grow that lawn. And now I've got to totally scale it back because I can't afford that. And it wouldn't be helpful for our state. I, I realize that. So I'm trying to conserve in other areas. You know, I filled up my, when I shaved, I kind of filled up the basin today. And I tried to, I'm trying to compensate for the waste that I think I gave into last. I feel kind of bad at this point. But I'm just coming clean, admitting this to all of you. So, um, I really felt bad. I know it was probably guilty because I'd be out there watering at points when I thought no one would be around to watch me water my front yard at points. So I know that was wrong. That's just confession. All right, let's get back to this. In the, in the, in the Bible, we see, we see, we get perspective on this whole area of work because of this. God is a worker. This is the top of your listening guide. If you read through Genesis one and two and three, which is really where we're going to be this morning, Genesis one through three, you see, especially in chapter one, that God is a worker, and. Um, Work comes from him. All work comes from him, generates from him. Um, in the first chapter of the Bible, we start seeing God creating these things, the, the heavens and the earth, not formed from any pre-existing materials made out of nothing. God speaks these things into existence. Light, you know, his first creative word produces light. Let there be light, boom, light. Uh, day and night, sky, all of these different things that you read, you see up here on the list, these all come as God creates them. Out of nothing, living creatures, man. And in verse 2 of chapter 2, we read this. And on the seventh day, after God had done all this creating, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And so creation itself is described as God working. God is a worker, okay? He's creating. And he upholds his creation. He doesn't just stop there, but now he holds his creation together he is at work in our world. He's at work in our lives. He is at work in ways that we really can't understand, but God himself is working. And then when it comes to us, we see that God made us to work as well. He's made us to work, and through it, a variety of things happen. Um, these are all on the blessing side of things. These are, all, these are all positive things about our work. Number one, we fulfill our purpose when we work. Because he himself works, anytime we, we set our hand to do work and bear responsibilities, and keep a grip on it. We really fulfill the purpose he made for us. Look at Genesis 2.15. It speaks after he made man, he breathed life into him. It says, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. He's working this garden. The word work there, it means to till it. Okay, He's tilling the ground. He's working the ground. He's actually, and it's the same word, the Hebrew word that we get the word serve from. The Hebrew root is the same root that we get just this idea of being a servant. And so he is given the, the assignment 
the purpose is to serve the creation, to basically to work it, not to be serving the creation in a sense of, because I'm about to read some more verses that lays out perspective of authority, but he's really um, serving God by tilling the ground, by working on the creation. And because of that, there's this intrinsic value when we work. Anytime we work, um, there's, it's, it's noble because God himself, he's a worker. He works. He's at work. Now, some children, we, you know, carry on family businesses. Um, you know, you might inherit a business or maybe you're working in your family business. In a way, that's kind of what's occurring when we're working. We're actually carrying out God's business when we bear responsibility, when we take responsibility to be at work. Um, Man's original responsibility was the Garden of Eden. And originally, when Adam was in the garden, work was a joy, if you can even imagine that. Work was a joy without any pain. Um, There was not this blood, sweat, and tears, and toil. Um, Work was good. Work was purposeful. Work was refreshing. And, And I don't even know, can you even imagine what that would be like? Because so many times... The conversations we have with each other, it's like work is a grind. It's hard. Coming off a hard work day. I'm coming off, I'm finishing up a really hard day at work or at home. It's just been a really rough day with the kids or with the, with the coworkers or the boss. It's, but for Adam, man, this was, he was serving God and it was fulfilling. It, it would kind of be like this clip from Snow White. Uh oh, started over. You clean Let's the just fireplace. Hit, hit play again on that. And I will use. Now you wash the dishes. You tidy up the room. You clean the fireplace. And I will use the broom. <laughs> Man, isn't that how you just bounce out the door in the morning? Hi-ho, hi-ho. No. Moms, isn't that, you know, if you're raising kids and you, you know, just whistle while you're working, you know, changing diapers and scrubbing things. and It's a little hard to find that, but we're told this is, again, this is part of our purpose. This is part of what God has designed for us to do is to bear responsibility. This can bring a certain amount of joy depending on the perspective that we keep when it comes to our work. Another thing is through our work we can reflect the image of God. God has um, created us to be his image bearers. We learn this in Genesis 1.27. God created man in his own image. There's something unique about humans. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So in work we, we can reflect God's image Some of those qualities, those attributes of God, not all of them, but some of them can be reflected in the way that we go about our day. Love, justice, truth. There's some things that depending on how um, we approach our work and just approach other people, we can really reflect his image um, and draw others to God. Also, we can experience God's blessing through our work and because of our work. Genesis 1.28, God blessed them. This is Adam and Eve. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Okay, and then subdue it. Now this is where we see, it says, and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
this is where we see God is saying to take control of the creation, to have rule or dominion over it. Humans are giving a responsibility um, to, to manage God's creation here. And there's a blessing that, that is involved in this that we get to experience as we take responsibility for this. Now think about this just for a minute. God had just finished creating the earth. He just made everything. And then he gives them the responsibility to fill it, to subdue it, to rule over it, rule over all the creatures on the earth. Now, anytime I build something that, you know, something that I want to last, I want to make sure that people handle it with great care. I certainly don't want people to come up and mess with it. If I build a, you know, anything, if I make something, I put, and I give somebody the trust of it, I want them to care for it well. Here's God just finishing creating the earth, and he gives us responsibility to humans to take care of. God is saying, out of everything I've created, I'm elevating you to this place of authority and rule. My blessing, my favor is on you. I'm entrusting some things to you. And handle this. Handle this wisely. So there's blessing. Another thing is that comes from work is this idea of provision. We know this. If we work, one of the values of working is we can provide for, for ourselves. We can provide for our families. We can even provide for others outside of our family. Second um, Thessalonians, Paul writes this to the church about... He's, he's laying out in both of his um, letters to this church that people needed to carry their weight. And so he says this, Second Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, If anyone was not willing to work, let him not eat. He's like saying, look, there's no room to freeload. People need to be working. People need to be bearing their responsibility. This isn't, this isn't you know, Paul saying, look, we, we, we aren't to mooch. And through work, we provide. We provide for ourselves. God values work. And so the external value of work is that by working, we can actually pitch in, we can actually pull our weight and be a, be a blessing to others. Um, part of living in this area where we have four colleges in Riverside, one of the, I think, joys has been to see young people pass through our church and to see them really grow and bear more responsibility. And I've seen boys show up here and then leave as men and, and move on, and some of them are still here. But boys really to men, not the singing group, but the real people who they come in and they're, they're not bearing responsibility. They, they, someone else is, is providing. Someone else is bearing their load in life. And yet they, they leave and they have grown. They've grown because they've grown in wisdom. They, they got their firm grip on life and on their personal growth, their spiritual growth. Um, they've got a grip on what it means to, to hold down a job. And they've really risen to the occasion on, on a variety of levels. And, and many of you are maybe here, and that's, that's you. You've really grown, and you've, you've started to bear responsibility. And maybe you're not working your dream job, and that's okay. But you're being faithful, and what that does is that really honors God when you're faithful. Um, not everybody gets to work the job you always imagined in your mind that you'd get to do. Not everybody gets to do that. And so when I see people who are working jobs that they just do because they, they need to make money and they got to provide, and then they take a second job because they, they're just not making ends meet, it is a very, very honorable thing. What that does is it inspires people around you. 
it draws people towards the right things. Um, for those that are older, it's inspiring because it's like that, that inspires people who, are, who have been bearing a load of responsibility for a long time. That inspires them to see younger people doing that. And what I've seen is as some of the younger um, folks in our church have kind of stepped forward to bear responsibility, it, it kind of draws around them and it calls some of their friends forward. I've seen people use their resources that have come through their work to really be a blessing and to grow in generosity. And when needs come up, to share with others and to help others. I've seen, as we've said, hey, let's do this as a congregation. Again, as that, that through our work, we're able to give towards things that, that are valuable in God's eyes. That all matters. Another thing is with work, we can find enjoyment. Ecclesiastes 2.24, King Solomon, he writes this, there is nothing better... This is one of his conclusions. There's nothing better for a person that, that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. It's a gift from the hand of God for you to enjoy your work. doesn't mean it has to be your dream job, but Solomon's saying there's a way to experience joy in your work, even in toil. Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft, had this to say about work. He said, we never thought that we would make much money out of this thing. We just loved writing software. I'm sure he loved making a lot of money and writing software, but <laughs> but he loved his job. He loved getting to write software. It was something that grew out of his passion. Sometimes there's joy found in your work because it lines up with, with your wiring and your talents. and your. Um, but sometimes joy comes out of the outcome. Maybe the process is painful, but the outcome of working hard on a project or seeing a season go through of of, of you know, another year of school, another year of training kids, and just seeing the outcomes of, wow, there's a lot of joy in the present. It was painful in the process, but there's joy. In the, and, there, that, and that comes, the ability to enjoy that, it comes from the hand of God, is what Solomon's saying. But here's a difficult reality. It's despite the blessing, work is also a lifelong frustration. There are many good things that come through work, but despite that, there. There is lifelong frustration wired into work because of sin. Look at Genesis 3.17. Now, Genesis 3, we read about Adam and Eve. They're tempted and they sin. God says there's something that's off limits. They're tempted to sin and they, they choose to cross a boundary and they, they sin. This is the judgment, okay? It says in verse 17, And to Adam, he said this, Because you've listened to the voice of your wife, See, she was deceived by the serpent. When she offered it to her husband, he ate it. He sinned eyes wide open. It reads that she was deceived. He knew exactly what God had said. He should have spoken the command into the moment and said, this is what God told us. We're not going to do this. He should have have, um, stopped, but he didn't. Because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I've commanded you, you shall not eat of it. God was very clear. Cursed is the ground because of you. Remember, the garden was a place where they could work the ground and it, it, it produced joy and good things. Now he says, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Lifelong frustration because of sin. And this is the reality that most of us face when we're at work, is the lifelong frustration, the pain, the toil, the difficulty. God set a boundary that Adam crossed and when he did it, it impacted work on earth forever. This word pain here, it, it changes it changes things. The word, it means 
toil or prolonged labor. So that's what our choice to disobey brought about. It made work more toilsome. And what happens is that can take a toll on you. And you have to be careful. What I want to highlight is that there's a few things that are like toil signals. When you know you're in trouble, you start experiencing these things, you need to have the right perspective. Um, here's some things. To, when, you, when, when work becomes a pain and pain equals toil, um, do these things show up in your life? Number one is discouragement. You start getting extremely discouraged with um, the load that is yours to bear. And again, just think about what is it that your is your work responsibility, whether your work is at home or your work is at a location. Um, the discouragement can creep in and keep us in a very, very dark place. And if we're not working our dream job, we might be in that discouragement. Or if we start looking around and comparing our life to other people's, that can create discouragement. But discouragement can creep in. Another thing is we can start listening to the lies that flood our mind. We start... We start thinking things that are not true. Things like, my work is too hard. And this is just too hard to continue. Or another lie. I'm too tired to finish this. Parenting is exhausting. Isn't it? It's exhausting. Piles of laundry. It is just, I'm amazed at how much laundry my family can produce. I mean, and I'm, part of, I'm part of the problem. You know, I might be the main source of the problem. I mean, honestly, dishes. I'm amazed at the amount of dishes. How many diapers, you know, thousands of diapers you change, picking up toys. You're picking up toys, putting things away. You look behind you and there's someone scattering them around. And you're like, I just did that. So you clean those up and they're over in that corner. They're put. This is just part of the part of the problem that we experience, part of the frustration. Another lie is, and, and to really give in to that, I'm too tired to finish this. That, that creeps in. Again, it moves us towards wrong things. I'm the only one who has to work this hard is another lie. I just need an easier job. Everyone else seems to have it a little easier than I do. That's the thought that comes in. Another toil signal is feeling extreme fatigue. You're just in a really busy season of life. And I've seen people walk away from jobs because they were so tired, but they didn't have a plan. And they just walk off the job. They don't have a backup plan. And in the long run, they end up hurting themselves. And sometimes they hurt other people in the process. Or resentment starts to build. Or or laziness starts to work its way into into our life. Or lying in order to make work ease up. If you're experiencing any of these things, um, these are signals that you're in that painful toil. That's part of the curse of sin. On us, And so here's two things to just keep perspective. And they seem almost elementary, but these are critical. Number one, spend daily time with God. So much of the battle that we fight in this arena is one in our preparation. It's like training for a race or a game, or there was a big boxing match yesterday. It's like training for those events. Most of the time, the battle is really won in the training room months, weeks, you know, beforehand. For us, we all need to connect regularly with God. If at all possible, we need to do that daily. And as you read through Genesis chapter um, 2, verses 15 through 25, you begin to get this sense that God, you see God placing Adam and Eve in the garden and interacting with them. And as you read through Genesis 2 and you just start thinking about what that would be like, 
and imagine walking with God in the garden and talking with God and what they were able to experience there before sin. Um, That must have been amazing to be able to just interact on that relational level, to have fellowship with God and no sin, no, no, no barrier, nothing clouding the communication. And so God could set direction for him. They didn't have to wonder, what do I do? They could, they could relate. And there was this freedom in that relationship. That's what God intends. He wants us to connect with him regularly, daily, to walk with him, to talk with him. And so through Christ, we actually have that same ability to approach God every day, anytime, and to be right with God. We can even build that into our lives just like we would build other things into our life. I build doctor's appointments, dentist appointments. I build, you know, eating into my life. You know, some people eat by the clock. You know, it's like it's time to eat. Some people eat because their stomach tells you it's time to eat. And we build these things in. You build workouts into your life. You build TV shows into your life. How much more important that we build in time to really relate to God and connect with him each day. What that does is it prepares us for the day of work ahead, whether you stay at home or go somewhere. You might be in an office, or maybe your day is just beside a crib. Whatever lies ahead, though, our perspective on work begins in that preparation. And that sets, that sets a focus for the rest of the day that is really, really helpful. Uh, generally, for, for, for me, that just involves listening to God by reading through the Bible, reading portions of Scripture, mulling on what he has to say, and then responding to him, talking to him, taking it in and talking to him. I'm, I'm either responding to what I'm reading and learning. Sometimes I just, I'm, I'm praying for the day ahead and the specific things I know I'm about to face. But for me, it's critical, and it makes such a difference in, in me keeping a, a God-centered day, work day, if I'll do that ahead of time. It's not to say that God's not with me if I if I don't do that, if I don't plan that. But, man, there's just something about pre- preparation in my work day. And in certain seasons, you might be in a season where you're like, this is just hard to find time. I just encourage you to keep looking for it, keep fighting for it, figure out how you can build that in and wire that into your life. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not good to just run spiritually on empty. If you run your car on empty over and over, you're, you're going to burn out your fuel pump. You do this with your spiritual life, you're constantly running it on empty. Um, you end up burning up the toil. The toil burns you out, burns you up. And so I just encourage you, if you need help in this area, of how, how do I establish that? One of the things that really helped me when I first started walking with God was a couple of guys, a few years older than me, just showed me how they spent time with God. And they were very different approaches, but I, I was able to just learn some different ways. And the point is not a method. The point is that I'm getting time to connect with God and really listen to him and hear from him. Um, talk to us. If you'd love to just sit down with someone, we could connect you with someone, possibly in, in a small group, maybe your leader. Also, turn to God in the moment. So let's say you're working. You're in the moment. You are having a really rough day at home or at work. Turn to God and choose faithfulness. When you're hitting that spot, turn to him. I can think of so many times where I'm in the middle of a busy, busy season and I'm just fried, and I'm thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. I am done. And, and that's the time I need to push forward. I need to push past that. Um, sometimes it's God's trying to accomplish something that I can't fully understand. Um, 
This is the same thing for each one of you. Even just over this weekend, and oftentimes Friday, Saturday, leading up to delivering a message for me on a Sunday, I just really have to push through my thoughts and my feelings and discouragement and this thought of uh, nobody wants to hear you. Nobody wants to hear what you've come prepared to share. Or I'll look at my notes and I'm like, that is really lame. <laughs> and I have to tell myself the truth. Like, God, this is, this is your word and your people need to hear from you, from you and they need to hear your word. Help me to, to do my part in the preparation. I can't give in to the thoughts and feelings that come over me that overwhelm me because if I did, it would be very easy just to try to run from responsibilities. But it might be that for you, the people you're working with are driving you crazy, or maybe it's just you're just really, really tired. Um, again, draw close to God. Turn to him in the moment. Ask him for help. Express the thing you're thinking to him. Dig into his word. See what he has to say. But then just keep choosing faithfulness. Um, two things that, that I remember that were really helpful for me in growing up and learning to turn to God was my father would point me to him at key points. Um, once it was, the first time I remembered was I was a paper boy. I was in the fifth grade. I was a paper boy. And I don't know why it is that people want their papers six in the morning, first thing, right when they walk out their door, but that's just how it works. So if you're a paper boy, you've got to be up well before six. And so I was in fifth grade, up really early, rolling papers in my living room, and my dad would, um, he would sometimes just pop out, pray with me, and then he'd go back to bed for a little while. I'm in fifth grade, though. And I would walk I would walk my route because I crashed one time on my bike. So I walked my route. And uh, the scary thing for me, and this is why he prayed for me, was because one of the streets in my neighborhood was um, Elm Street. Well, who lived on Elm Street? Freddie, you know. And so I lived on Nikki Drive, and I was afraid of Freddie Krueger. And so, so I would get freaked out doing my paper out. But my dad, he would pray for me. And he would just, and really once I got past that, it was just the dryness of this. And I worked that job for a couple years, and uh, that was really helpful, taught me some things. But later on in life, I remember I was working a construction job. I was home from college, and I had a horrible first day. I got cussed out. I've shared this story before. My dad, I came home from the first day of work, and I was like, I just want to quit and tell that guy off. Because <laughs> this guy just laid into me. And, he, and he's like, you know what you should do? And my dad is kind of a practical joker, so I was like thinking, Maybe give me a prank or something good to happen. He goes, let's pray for them. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that, Dad. Goes, let's pray. What's his name? Billy. Okay, let's pray for Billy. Billy was this big guy, big beard, and just crotchety. And, and just, he just woke up on the angry side of his bed. And you know Billy's in your life, I'm sure. And, and he would just sit with me, and we'd pray for Billy. And, man, things really <laughs> were different. And I just want to encourage you. In the midst of it, you have to, again, choose faithfulness, keep pushing through, endure. Something that we've been trying to do as a staff is it's something we call eating the frogs that are on our plate. Um, eating the frogs. I don't even know where it originally came from, but Mark Twain is credited with this quote. Um, if it's your job to eat a frog, it's best to do it first thing in the morning. And if it's your job to eat two frogs, it's best to eat the biggest one first. And the way I look at this is I look at my to-do list and I have some things that are easy to get done, but then there are these frogs that show up on there. And they're the thing I just do not want to do. And you have them in your life as well. There are these projects that pile up that they're extremely hard to get finished. 
I, I don't like, I wouldn't want to eat a frog, a live frog. But that's sometimes how it feels when you're approaching projects or work and things you got to do. And so what happens is inevitably you don't eat the frog and you just move it to the next week's to-do list. And then you move it to the next week's to-do list. And over time you've got not just one, but now two, three, four big sized, you know, large projects that you've got to get done. And you're just delaying getting them done. And so I read this principle a few years back just about eat the frog. Just do the hard thing. Do it first. Get it done with. And so I've been trying to stay on a regular diet of eating frogs rather than just letting them pile up. And I, I just encourage you, do that in your life. Think through, what is that? what are those things that I just, they're on my plate. They're my responsibility. They're no one else's. And I've been delaying doing them. Maybe this week you need to do that. Maybe eat a frog. The right response, though, in, in the painful seasons of toil is, God, I, I don't want to do this right now, but you've put me here to work. Help me to trust you right now. Help me to be faithful. Ask God to help you just to hang in there. And he, he really will help. As long as we're in the world that we're in, the broken world, work will never be play. Work will never be play. Because of Genesis three seventeen through 19, um, it's, it's not going to be play. There has been judgment on work, and things are painful. And I want the Garden of Eden experience to where I'm just working and skipping and singing and whistling and hi-hoing it. I want that. But that's Genesis, Garden of Eden before sin. That, that kind of work conditions just doesn't exist anymore. And so we need to have the right perspective as we approach this whole area of work. If I'll turn to God in the moment, though, he'll help me endure and push through the seasons of even extreme toil. I want to invite our worship team to come back up to the stage. And I hope this has been a helpful starting perspective as we get into this series. And just as we're facing some of the challenges that each of us face in our own workloads in life. On the back of your connection card, you'll notice there's a couple of next steps. You can see these up here. Just what is it that God is asking you to do in response to him today and his word? Is there something specifically that that has been highlighted in your mind? I would encourage you to just Think through what is the, the step that I need to take to apply this morning's message. In a moment, we're going to be receiving our offering. And um, if you came prepared to give, we invite you to do so. And one of the challenges of giving is it's, it's tied to this whole area of work. It's hard to become a gem, generous person and to grow in giving because we work so hard. And so giving on the surface seems to make no sense. It just seems to make no sense to give. Um, but what it is, we find it's an act of obedience. We're really trusting God as we give. We're saying, God, these things that you're trying to do in the world, um, I'm helping to advance those things. I'm cooperating with you in that. And so we're helping to move his mission forward. And so we're trusting that as we do that, he'll continue to take care of us, bless us, and continue to provide for us. And so um, let's, let's go ahead and pray before we receive the offering. Father, we thank you for this time, and thank you for your love for us, Lord, that you... You placed us here on this earth. And you've given us a, a purpose that you want us to, to, to fulfill, Lord. And you want to work through us, Lord, to accomplish some things in this world. So, God, I pray for each person here and their, their life of work. And, God, in the midst of the toil and the pain, I pray that you would refresh them as they turn to you, God. And as you grant them perspective and endurance. May you be pleased with us, Lord, as we set about our work. 
Help us to battle the lies that that we deal with about the things that we're facing, Lord. Help us to battle them with your truth. I ask you to bless the offering we're about to receive. Would you use it to continue to grow our faith and grow our, our mission, Lord, as we are able to reach more people and help others grow and connect with you. We pray that in Jesus' name.